Riva tracks Obi-Wan to Jameem. The path tries to escape the Empire. Truths are revealed and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, welcome back to the Sky Guys podcast, doing part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a very hyped episode on the internet, a lot of fun stuff here, a lot of flashbacks, a lot of Hayden Christensen after we hadn't seen much of him in, in the first four weeks of the show. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Phillips. Joining me today, as always, the man whose voice you hear in the narration every single week, Pete Considori is here. Pete, how are you? Doing great. Uh, one more episode after this. Time flies when you're having fun and when they release three episodes within a four-day span. But yeah, no, everything's going great. I'm excited to talk Star Wars with you guys, of course. Um, we're still missing Nick. Of course, he's on his honeymoon, so we still wish them the best on that vacation. But uh, we got some work to do here talking about Star Wars. Yeah, Nick and his, and his new wife are in Aruba for the week. So joining us in his place, he is going to be the Roken of this podcast. The great John Stanko is here. John, how are you? I am great, Mike. Thank you guys for having me. I think last time I was here, we ranked all the Star Wars movies, and it was a very uh, entertaining conversation, if I recall. So very excited to be here with the Star Wars experts and uh, to have a good conversation. Yeah, I mean, a lot of conversation here. And John, we have not heard from you during the podcasting season here. And you want to let us know what you're thinking of Kenobi so far over the first five parts. What am I thinking of Kenobi, Mike? Uh, the show is entertaining at parts. But I have to be honest, I don't think it's a well-made show, if that makes sense. I think there are a lot of faults within the show. I think there are some highlights. But my biggest thing with the show is it doesn't know what it wants to be. When it's a certain type of show, it's darn good and very entertaining. But when it's another type of show, it's downright almost unwatchable. And sometimes they have a really hard time picking what they want to be. So it's been a middling viewing experience thus far. But I will say part five, definitely one of the better episodes of the five that have been released thus far. Okay, better or worse than Boba Fett? That seems to be the barometer right now. Ooh, that, I will say I am more entertained by this show. So I would say it's slightly above Boba Fett, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pete, like, cold pizza is still, is still pizza, and it's still good, but, like, it's not like you've had superstar pizza, and you know the difference in the pizza frankings. Exactly. Stealing exactly. a barstool reference from your employer. <laughs> All right, and uh, Pete, if people want to check out what we're doing here on the podcast and check out the Sky Guys feed, you don't want to wait on the Just End the Suffering feed for a couple of days the episode come out. You can subscribe. Just search for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Just search for the Sky Guys there. You can get the episodes the day after you record. That's incredible access. Super easy, too. I mean, we've been saying it time and time again. I feel like a broken record. I've said it about 10,000 times. Subscribe to the feed. It's just, just do it. Uh, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to get content super quick when it comes to Star Wars. You obviously will get that content, the Just End the Suffering feed, but it's going to come a little later. If you want to wait, that's up to you. I wouldn't. I want my information now. Content. Boom, boom, boom. Quick. That's how media works. That's how our industry works. You want it quick, you want it fast, and this is the way to do it. Get the Sky Guys feed. Yeah, and and Stanko, did you know that we have a Instagram feed for the Sky Guys podcast? Hand up, Mike. I did not know that. Yeah. Once I get my phone off the charger, I will follow you on Instagram. I did not know that. Yeah, I'll help you out. And the audience who has not followed yet is the Sky Guys podcast on Instagram. Well, you'll hear some of our commentary on there. You'll get some fun memes. And Nick usually runs the Instagram. So it's been a bit quiet. But when he comes back from the honeymoon, he's going to be full steam ahead on that again. So that'll be definitely some fun. He hasn't posted anything from Aruba to make you guys jealous? He, had, he did post today from Aruba. He had a time, so. Fair enough. 
Yeah, he did do that. And also, I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, actually, Pete knows about this. Like, these shows are going to be on YouTube. So you can see all our fancy graphics in there. You're going to see some of them on the stream, some after the fact in post. So, again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You want to check out the video versus conversation, John? Yeah, no, listen, I know you guys have been picking up the content. You guys have been churning these things out. So props to you guys. And listen, you're getting the eyeballs. It's growing. So good for you guys. Happy to just be a part of it. Yeah, we're happy to have you here too. And Pete, let's do what we always do. Let's do some Star Wars news. And I think we should start with the, with the movie news because, because John Stanko is here, correct? I think it's only fair. All right, only fair. So Stanko, you're aware that the next movie supposedly on the Star Wars calendar is Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie. You were aware of that, right? Yes, I was aware of that. Yeah, well, Taika has done some interviews lately. I'm going to share my screen here so the audience can see some of these stuff here. I think you will like what Taika's had to say about this. His quote here, Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie will reject pre-existing characters and origins, expand the world. This is according to Variety. He mentioned here that he does not want to basically, this is a direct quote, says, look, I think for the Star Wars universe to expand, it has to expand. I don't think that I'm any use in the Star Wars universe making a film where I was like, oh, great. Well, that's the blueprints of the Millennium Falcon. Ah, oh, that's Chewbacca's grandmother. That's all standalones. That's great. I like to take something new and create some new characters and just expand the world. Otherwise, it feels like a very, very, very small story here. So I think this is phenomenal news, Sanko. This is the best news possible. This is the, the energy that Star Wars needs. I think it's safe to say that Star Wars is in a lull in terms of a creative process and churning out excellent content. And Taika Waititi, he has a knack for reinventing things that seem stale. He did it with Marvel and Thor. He's looking to do it again with the new Thor movie coming out. So listen, I'm all above the Taika Waititi train. He has an imagination. And give me some more original characters. Give me different stories in this world. You can touch on the lore and stuff, but give me new characters to like and love, please. Yeah, P, I think something we started to notice, especially with Boba here and now Obi-Wan, where, I mean, like, you're kind of stuck. I mean, this is a universe that expands thousands of years that basically has a million planets, and we're basically sitting in a span of about, like, 50 years and basically trying to shove every single story possible here and creating canon headaches that make everybody nuts. Like, why not go... 500 years in the past or 700 years in the future. You have a big universe to play with. Yeah. I mean, I think with shows like Ahsoka and stuff like that, it'd be nice to see what happens after shows like rebels or clone wars. I mean, we, we see that with the, the episodes in the movies, but uh, like you said, 500 years in the past, something that is already there. You don't have to work terribly hard to, you don't have to work terribly hard to, to figure out these characters or, or even create something brand new. You have the canon there. You can make something that hasn't been seen before and it's fresh content. I mean, there's so much you can work with. I mean, I've been talking about Darth Revan for the past year. This has not been conceptualized in live action yet. This is something they could capitalize on in a huge way. Darth Revan, even though he comes before Darth Vader, could be a bigger villain and a bigger icon for Star Wars if they did it correctly. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we need something fresh. Not to say I don't appreciate everything that's going on now, um, except for maybe the Book of Boba Fett, but um, we need we need a we need a jump start. We need something that's different that will say, OK, you know, we had that little jump start with the Mandalorian still kind of takes place in the same time frame. I need something a little different. Yeah, and Stanko, remember, I remember back when on the Echo Stance podcast, we originally had a conversation. I've been begging for years for them to make Nice Little Republic into a movie, and something like something like that would be a lot of fun to experience in terms of getting us out of this rut of the Skywalker saga or out of the shadow of it. 
Yeah, I think the thing is you need to get out of the shadow of Skywalker, like you said, and I think that involves taking a break. From what I read about Taika's comments, he's still writing the Star Wars movie. It's not coming for a long time, and I think that's a good thing. I think they need to take a break and kind of reset, kind of like what Harry Potter is going to have to do after their failed trilogy coming out recently, too. These big franchises, when they're churning out content nonstop, they kind of lose the focus. They lose what they're aiming at and creating something special. So I agree with you. Create something new, not to the old Republic or even a brand new story. We know Taika's not afraid to get crazy, crazy creative. I think whatever movie he's going to make, it might be the most colorful Star Wars movie we've ever, we've ever seen. So I, I think they need to take a break. I don't think we're going to see this movie for maybe three years or so. I'd be willing to bet. But I think that's a good thing for Star Wars fans. Take a deep breath. Yeah, Pete, the other point he brought up here, I did, it was fair. He said, Taika basically said, like, I'm still writing. I'm not even there yet. And this movie's not coming in 2023. You're not going to see Star Wars in a movie theater for at least five years, which I think the franchise probably needs because the last couple of movies have sort of been very divisive or bad. It's, it's oversaturation of the market, in my opinion, right? I mean, we're getting a, a ton, and I mean a ton. And, and again, not to say Mandalorian is bad. Ahsoka, I'm sure, is going to is gonna deliver, hopefully. Obi-Wan, we've had kind of a mixed bag, right? Some people love it. Some people hate it. But we understand Star Wars is making Disney money, but we need a break. We need just something to say, okay, as much as I want to see, you know, and I'm not talking about season two and three of shows. I'm talking about brand new shows just coming out of the woodwork. We just need a break and say, okay, we take a five or six year break. We have the shows that are out there. We're working on something. And then maybe six years from now, we're not sitting here going, oh, they broke in again. Oh, they did this again. Oh, we can't, you know, this wasn't good as good as this season. And this season wasn't as good as this show. And, it, maybe it'll be good for the franchise in general so that it's not we're not overly critical of them. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go on to our other piece of news here, uh, Pete. The Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel is falling some hard times. Apparently, Disney is sending out surveys to people who went there because they don't understand why people are not going. Yeah, uh, the price point. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that it, bad acting uh, experience wise, it's it's Disney cast members. I'm not saying that Disney cast members are not good actors or actresses. However, there's only so much they could do, especially in front of a live audience in those situations when there's probably kids screaming and the it's not a great atmosphere. It's not like they're in theater when they have focus, right? It it has to do with the price point. It is an absurd amount of money for two nights for an experience. And I understand it's Disney and I understand it's Star Wars and there are people out there that will pay for it. But I feel like they've hit the wave of people that are going to pay for it. And now the people that don't want to pay for it, now they're just kind of sitting stagnant, right? Because they're not filling the rooms like they thought they would be. They're going to outprice themselves, just Disney as a whole, just their parks, very quickly. We are in a weird time in our in our economy, all right? Gas is going up. There's inflation. Everything is becoming more and more expensive, more and more expensive. It, it's just not going to work for Walt Disney World, at least that resort, if they keep pushing up prices. I mean, Disney's caught some criticism too that people are spending a lot, a lot of money waiting for hours on lines for rides and they can't experience the whole park because they're waiting so long for a ride. So they spend literally the entire day waiting online for three rides total and that's it. And they just spent, you know, however many hundreds of dollars to get in for that day. You know, again, they have the Genie Plus, the Fast Pass, you pay extra money, but at, at the price points that they're offering to guests, I wouldn't want to pay even more to not wait on lines. I mean, it's an expensive trip to begin with. Um, and a lot of their patrons are not from in-state. They're out-of-state people. So you also have traveling costs for those people as well. So, I, I, you know, I hope they don't, they're not blind to this and they don't, they, you know, they don't say, well, it, this is what the experience is, this is how much it is. Deal with it because I just, I think they're just going to lose customers over the years for Disney as a whole. 
Yeah, and Stanko, I mean, you said you were flashing the dollar signs right, right out there. I mean, like, this is not hard. I don't know how Disney's not get this, that they overpriced the thing. This is an article back in 2001 when they first announced this hotel. A family of four can expect to pay nearly $6,000 for two nights on board Disney's Galactic Star Cruiser in a standard cabin. Can you have, what family can afford that now? I mean, good God, that's insane. <laughs> like Pete said, the price is absolutely outrageous. It's, it, this is an easy question to answer. Sure, it's immersive and all that stuff, but a price comes to everything, and it's not worth the price of setting yourself back for years financially to go stay at a hotel for two nights. Sorry. Yeah, it's I, insane. It's a very easy answer. It's a very easy answer. I mean, you could take that six grand and go on a cruise for seven days and get more, much more value of your money than two days. That's like Star three Star cruises. <laughs> yeah. Six grand only gets you a Star Wars experience. You're not even getting the Walt Disney World experience. So right. All the other parks – you do two nights for six grand, and then you have four or five other nights you got to worry about for the other parks. Uh, it It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It, it, honestly, we're at the point where they may just have to scrap it entirely because I don't think they have the budget to bring the price down because of everything that's offered. And granted, it might be Disney just bloating the price, and they could 100% afford to bring it down. But everyone got hit with COVID uh, when it came to to you know, business being down and, and now with inflation, everything like that, they may just have to squash the whole project. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Now let's get into the episode here, part five here. And we got a lot of fun here, a lot of flashbacks. I mean, Pete, we start off where we get Attack of the Clones era flashbacks with D.H. Hayden Christensen and a little bit of D.H. Ewan McGregor in this. I thought this was a fun way to get this episode started. Yeah, I'm, I'm finally happy that he's actually getting some screen time, Hayden Christensen. Um, it would have been pretty stupid. And I hate to use the word stupid, but it'd be pretty stupid to cast him in a role that you wouldn't even see him in. Um, you know, not to say that he doesn't deserve to be Vader, especially, you know, when it comes to respects of Hayden Christensen and Anakin Skywalker's character. But to, to spend the money to get Hayden Christensen to only have him to be in the suit would just make no sense to me even to use him as a as a pr figure or, or or an advertising figure saying hey he's in the show when you never see him so i'm glad we at least get it and i'm also glad that these flashbacks actually have some good action in them and it's not the poor lightsaber battles that we saw in the sequels um it actually kind of looks more towards what the prequels had um, when it came to combat we'll get into that obviously a little bit later but it's it's great to see him actually perform the de-aging could have been a little bit better but i don't think the budget for this was super high when it came to special effects. So I'm willing to overlook that. I'm not going to sit here and nitpick that, but it was good. It was cool to see it. Yeah, Stank, I did like that they sort of thread these flashbacks throughout the episode, sort of had this one training session be like something they're both thinking about and we're having learning lessons from it, they're applying directly to the present day. This is a good use of flashback. I would agree. You took my point right off the bat. I think this is a good part of the screenplay from this episode is incorporating lessons from the past. Now they carry on to the future. Um, I think there's some things I would have changed in the episode regarding this, uh, the lessons learned from this duel, especially near the end of, the, of part five. But overall, good start to the episode. Um, I agree. And like Pete said, finally seeing Hayden actually get to act and get to see his face. And they have good chemistry on screen, you, uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. There's no denying it. They had that in the prequels as one of the better aspects of it. So, uh, yeah, good, good start to the show. I was entertained and surprised. Yeah, P, I don't know if you caught during that opening sequence there. Do you notice that Anakin was, like, looking off towards where the tower building where Padme lives? I thought it was a nice little Easter egg touch for them. I got to be honest with you. I watched this thing at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning before work, so missed that completely. Got to be honest with you. But it was a cool touch. I'm glad you caught it because I definitely didn't. Stanko, I don't know if you did as well, but. Hell no. <laughs> so so there's, well, this is why we have, like, 
always gets those like details that you never would have thought of. You're like, oh, that's really cool. I got to go back and watch it. I mean, even Mike, uh, I remember like the first episode, right? You saw R2-D2 and neither Nick or I saw him at all. We had to go through like screenshots for like an hour and a half. And then you finally sent us the screen grab. And we're like, oh, yeah, he's right there. Um, yeah, I um, I didn't catch that. It's cool. I, I got to be honest. I don't know if the casual Star Wars fan is catching that, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Like I said, people listening to us on the Sky Guys feed, by the way, make sure you're doing that. Um, you, uh, you're you getting this kind of like little Easter egg there from Mike Phillips. Yeah, Easter egg territory for sure. And then we go out of the flashback on Vader's ship and we see that Reva comes in. She updates him because Stanko the tracker worked. Obi-Wan's on Jabim. And Vader says, okay, great. We're going to go after him. You are now the Grand Inquisitor. You're going to lead the mission here. So... Hooray, we got a promotion. I mean, is it that easy to get a promotion in the Star Wars universe? I'd be <laughs> president right now. Are we serious? Yeah. How do you get a promotion when you don't even know if the tracker worked because you don't know if he's there? Obi-Wan's smart. He could have put the track on something else and send it fishing across the universe. Insane. Now, we get why this happens, right? Yeah, By the end of the episode, we understand why. But it's also a cue being like, is Vader really this stupid to make this happen? Is there something more going on here? I was very confused by this scene. Um, I'm not a big Reva fan. Uh, neither are you guys. So to see her succeed at anything made me upset. But uh, I mean, it was one of those things. It's just setting up for what's going to happen and what's going to happen later in the episode. Yeah, Peter's is a big Reva episode too. I feel like she got a lot of story advancement here. She did. Um, you know, I'm on the same size Stanko where I don't really like the character that much. Um, I don't know if it's the writing or if it's just the character in general and what the character stands for that just gets me bothered. But it, I'm glad that by the end of the episode, we understand why it's just so easy that she becomes the Grand Inquisitor. I think if that doesn't happen at the end of the episode, this is probably one of the worst arcs of the show of her just like, boom, you got Grand Inquisitor from Darth Vader after just sneaking a tracker on, which let's be honest, we don't even know if Darth Vader knows the tracker got on Obi-Wan or if she was just lying. Right. Uh, so I, I'm I'm really happy they backtracked a little bit and made Darth Vader look a lot smarter in what he's supposed to be versus what it could have gone wrong if they didn't. Yep. So anyway, this goes on here. We go back to Jabim and Stenko. Our friend Haja is back. Were you a big Camille Nanjani fan from his uh, earlier appearance in the show? I'm going to be honest. I liked his earlier appearance in the show. It was a nice twist. Guess what? In a society as twisted as this under the Empire, you're going to have people being con men. This was a twist on it that I actually liked about this show. Unique take. He brings some comic relief back. Was surprised to see him. Um, don't know where his little friend is, right? I don't know if it was his son or just his buddy from that planet, but he wasn't there. So kind of left him high in the dust. That's not great. Right. Unless I missed what happened to him, but, uh, but it was good to see him. And he, he obviously partners with Leia later in the episode. So some comic relief back in what's a dire situation for these, uh, escapees from the empire in this episode. Yeah. Hodge basically says my cover was blown over there. I had to leave once Reva basically exposed my operation. He's there. Roken's there, too. Nick's favorite character, Pete. So we get to basically Obi-Wan's like, let's leave. We have to get Leia home. And Roken correctly points out, like, I get all these people. I can't worry about one 10-year-old girl. And Obi-Wan's like, fair enough. Let's work and get them out. So I think good job, Roken. We have a little bit from last week. Yeah, I was I was waiting for him to switch his mind 30 seconds. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the princess. Um, Yeah, I, stronger performance by that character. Um. I think that this was more of what that character should have been. I think what happened last episode was a product of, hey, we only have two episodes after this. We can't sit here for a half an hour and argue about it. I think that was the product of, hey, you can't have my help versus, okay, yeah, if you ask me for your your help, uh, my help, I'll give it to you. Um, so I'm glad that 
where we can see this natural progression of that character saying, Hey, like, listen, I know you need to get her out of here, but I got to worry about these other people first. And everyone's like, yep, you got it. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so definitely good on that character this episode. Yeah. I mean, just to reflect, I mean, I will mention this again at the end of the show. Nick sent me his raids for last week after watching the episode. Roken was his LVP last week because of this. Literally 30 seconds apart, these two lines. Like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, uh, the writing in the show and the pacing has been one of my major issues, and this is the prime example A number one. Yeah, it is the prime example A number one. And go. we'll go ahead. We'll go back to... I think it was fun. We spent a few minutes, like just end the base exploring things. And you see Obi-Wan sees more writing on the wall from the path and Stan can see a bunch of lightsabers, see Jedi rows. And this sort of good reminder, like, Hey, you know, like this has been going on for a long time. There are a lot of Jedi just like, you know, coming through here, abandoning their stuff to then go hide. Right. Tal, I believe mentioned last episode, how this is the path, right? And this is kind of the last stop for the Jedi before they kind of abandon what they were and go forward into a new life, which includes ban, ban, uh, abandoning their tangible Jedi belongings their lightsabers and their robes. So a nice touch here kind of showing that the time of the Jedi is gone and everyone is kind of pushing it to the wayside. And even if you were a Jedi, you're no longer one. So just a good touch here in terms of showing that this is indeed the end of the path for many of the Jedi. Would it be the end for Obi-Wan Kenobi? Would it be the end for Tala? We watch the episode to find out. Yeah, we do. And Pete, while this is going on here, Lola, the Lola droid basically managed to somehow sabotage the entire base by cutting a few wires and the door stops working here. So this is, a, I feel like, and all the things of the they could go wrong, but this is a little, little uh, you know, a little much. Yeah, I mean, it it's fine. Like the the scene is fine for for a a little tracker thingy that switches the AI to make that little droid a bad guy to knowing which wire exactly to cut to turn off. Like I much would rather that droid went in and just. Cut everything. Cut everything load and just mess up everything. And it's just like, okay, there was a side effect of that. The door won't open now. What do we do? I think that would have been made a little more sense. Um, but I always go back to the whole, we are watching a show about dudes who run around with laser swords and fly through the universe. And there's certain things that I can't nitpick too hard. So they could have done a little bit better, but we are watching Star Wars. So it's like, okay, fine. The droid nude would wire to cut. That, that, that's why the scene's just like fine for me. Yeah, that, I, this was a, this was a major gripe for me. I got to be honest. This was the droid knows exactly what button to push. It knows exactly where to go. We don't get any cutback to like the Empire ship controlling the droid. He could just had a worker at a station, like just seeing from the viewpoint of the droid and knowing where to go and figuring stuff out. No cuts like that. Also, the droid stays there. We see him in the exact same spot later in the episode. Doesn't leave the scene of the crime that he committed. Like this is part that I really didn't like the writing about. This was a shortcut. That was made for an easy solution. Uh, really, really did not like this scene. Yeah, not a great scene. We do get though get a better scene next one. We get the flashback, the next flashback where Obi Wan and Anakin are are doing their sparring session back back in the Attack of the Clones era, and then we get a great monologue from Obi Wan talking about how like Anakin has no patience, and this is a Chekhov's uh, flashback for us to remember later, Stanko. Right, it is, and I think this is a good flashback to the prequels, which I believe uh, patience Anakin used the Force was said in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and then also in Revenge of the Sith, I think Anakin says to Obi-Wan, I choose patience. Like, it's a direct reference to conversations they had in the prequel. So, again, a good touch and directly applies to the finale of this of this episode. And I would assume maybe applies to the finale of this series come next episode as well. We know that Anakin's a very impulsive guy. 
is this it's his default trait for his entire life. So good callback here with this uh, with this flashback. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point, we go back to uh, present timeline. Obi Wan and Roken realize, hey, the door's not working. So then they come up with this plan here. They realize that the we somehow they figured out they've been tracked that the Empire's outside. And Obi Wan gives his great speech. Okay, we're gonna shut all. We're gonna barricade the front door. We're gonna close all the entrances off. We're gonna buy time so we can get the door open and escape. So, Pete, grade the plan here. Is this a solid idea from Obi Wan? Uh, yeah. If it involves a ten-year-old being an electrician. Uh- <laughs> Again, one of those things where we're watching Star Wars, so fine. And I know Leia helped, you know, you were talking about this earlier off the show, Mike, how Leia helped uh, um, Han Solo with his hyperdrive, right, in the Millennium Falcon. Uh, You know, I'm fine with it again. You know, the fact that he is so trusting of a 10-year-old working with live wires and electricity is is beyond me. Yeah. you know, we could have gotten the cyberpunk power Rangers in this show. So I just, I felt like there could have been a lot worse. <laughs> um, so it, it's another weird, this whole scene, this whole like part is a very weird and like, I'm fine with it, but like, it could have been done so much better. Um, the plan is fine. I just don't like sending Leia and trusting Leia in to fix it. Yeah. And Stanko, the way they did this is very clumsy. I, mean, I know you're a lot to say about this. So I'm going to you for this one because basically we see that the vents are up there. Haj is like, hey, you got to go in there and fix it. And Roka's like, basically, like, I'm too fat to fit up there. And then Leia's like, I can fit. And then they said, okay, we'll let the 10-year-old go fix our door. Right. This is this is the part that's insane. At this point, they know the, they know the Empire is above them on the planet. So what's their plan to get out? Right? They have a ship to get out. The Imperial Starship is above the planet. So the ship is know that there's another ship trying to leave. Don't understand how this plan works from that capacity. Two, Leia being an electrician, like Pete said, insane. Like, the thing is, they could have given a hint that she has some technology capability. But earlier in the show, they said that she couldn't fix Lola, and Obi-Wan had to fix it for her. If you just have her tinkering with Lola and be able to fix the droid earlier in an episode, then you would have been like, okay, she has some technical prowess. She gets it. You could buy it at least a little bit. But here, what the hell is this? I Again, terrible writing, but for the most part, it got Leia out of the episode. I think she's a terrible <laughs> character in the show, so I was also happy about that. But still, really didn't like this. Yeah, well, I mean, this makes sense to basically stick Lay in a box and say she can't get in the way of the fighting, which I think that makes sense for that purpose. But I do think, like, is it hard to assume that maybe, like, the Force kicked in here and maybe, like, some of the instincts she learns from her father, who, like, ha- was a mechanical savant, sure. But, like, it would be nice you said they sort of thread that through. Maybe she's tinkering with the Lola early in the, se- in the series. Right. You give a little bit of a hint. Just you don't need to make it a verbal hint. Make it a visual hint. Make the audience remember. Make it click in the back of their head. But for here, it's just boom. She's an electrician. She is electrician. Anyway, we put her in the vent. And meantime, Obi-Wan sees a little, his little pager is going off from Bail Organa. And then Bail basically says, like, I haven't heard from you. Like, I know you're. I'm worried about you. Basically, he says, if something goes wrong here, I'll go to Tatooine take care of Luke. Pete, let me point this out here. This is incredibly stupid out of Bail when he has not been in contact with Obi-Wan for, like, about a week at this point in the show. And not only does he, like, contact him because who knows who has to communicate at this point, whether it's Obi-Wan or somebody else. He gives up the entire bag in this situation. Not even like Cody, like, hey, you know, like, I'll like I'll honor your legacy, something like that. Like, I'll pick up where you left off. No vagary, just gives the entire bag away. I I have a hard time believing it's real. But I don't know what entity would make a fake transmission to Obi-Wan. That's that's the part that like confuses me. Like in the back of my head said, I'm saying this can't be real. 
This can't be Bale going, hey, you have a kid on Tatooine you have to watch. It's Vader's son. I'll watch him. Locations, like, I'll be there in two minutes. Like, I'm it, just for me, it seems fake, but I just don't know in this show who would make the fake transmission to send it to Obi-Wan. So that, to me, kind of lets me think that this was just a really bad move by a really smart character in the in the whole universe of of Star Wars and it's just it's it's a bad look for the character. I don't know if it's because of the my quote unquote daughter is missing so I'm just trying to check in here like what's going on but could also be the Hollywood aspect of Star Wars where it's like we need, you know, we need someone to find this information so that we can continue the story on Tatooine or something like that. So it could have just been like that Hollywood push in yeah, uh, Stanko, what do you think about this from Bale? Because as Pete said, very smart character. He helps organize the rebellion. He, he's giving away all the information on a, on a device he has no idea Obi-Wan still has. This is back-to-back scenes. This one and the next one are direct. Just you know something's going to happen related to it later in the episode. Like, you knew once this hologram message was happened, it's going to be brought back later. You know what happens next in the episode is going to happen, is going to have an effect later. Again, very gimmicky, very stupid Again, like Pete said, the middle part of this episode, it's the weakest part of the episode. And this is why the screenwriting is just not good because it doesn't make sense and it makes the character seem incredibly stupid. It does. And then we do get a redeeming moment the next scene here where Tala talks to Obi-Wan about why she loses faith in the Empire. And Pete story basically learns that like she was leading a mission with Stormtroopers basically going after she, what she was told was four families would not pay their taxes. So they go and instead they slaughter all 14 people, including six children, because they were force sensitive here. I thought this is a good way for us to sort of get the information about why she flipped on the Empire's network of the past. Yeah, except for, you know, Tala booping the, the stormtroopers in the past episode to like disarm them. I think Tala's a strong character because we see that in between. I feel like between, and I mentioned this probably last episode too, between episode three and episode four, there was no in-between when it came to the Empire or the Republic. It was either you're for the Republic, you're the good guy, or you're for the Empire. If you don't like the Empire, you're dead. Like, there was no in-between of people going, well, I don't know what I like, right? It was always like, well, um, it's either Emperor, Emperor, Empire or die, or we're the Republic. If you're a separatist, we don't think you're doing the right thing. And I think this was a nice character to have so that we can see that in-between and we can see the conflict in people that, Yes, I do work for the Empire, but I, I really don't know if this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, Nick talked about this, too, in the beginning of the podcast for episodes one and two. Like, we're in this awkward stage where the Empire doesn't have, like, full, full reign on people, where there's still some sort of Senate and some sort of laws that protect the people. Um, so it's nice to see that that kind of transformation of, yeah, I work for the Empire, but it's not great to, I'm sure, by the time the season ends or, you know, obviously when we get to episode four, it's like either for the Empire or against the Empire. If you're against them, you're done. Yes, thank you. What do you think about Tala as a character? I like Tala as a character. Uh, I agree the gray area is good. I do think that this speech was a little on the nose, which made me think, hmm, something's going to happen to her later in the episode. This is far too much of her talking and giving a speech to not mean something later on. So my alarm bells went off. But again, I agree with Pete's point about the gray area. This is not just black and white. There's an in-between. People can change their minds. Um, so I agree. Talia is probably second or third best character and also second or third best acted character on the show as well by Ian Ewan McGregor because she actually like is a good actress. So 
again, I, I like to carry Italia, but you knew what was going to happen later in the episode after this nice, big emotional speech. Yeah, the speech ends up working. And we see all the stormtroopers land on the pl- on Jabim. We see them set up the big gun. Reva's there and she starts screaming, fire, fire. And then they're getting through. Obi-Wan says, you know what? Like, I'm going to talk to Reva. We're going to we're going to buy some time here for us to get the door open and get everybody off the planet. And then I think this is a very good uh, like Obi-Wan detective work here, uh, Pete, because he basically has a conversation where he figures out, like, wait a minute. Like, how do you know Anakin? It's like the Anakin is Vader. It's like he wouldn't tell anybody. And you're too young to know him. Like, you must have been there. So good job, Detective Obi-Wan, finally putting the pieces together the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy this conversation between Obi-Wan and Reva. Reva's acting was cringy, that first part, when she yells fire on the door. Yes. So forced. It seemed so, so forced. And I don't know if it's because she had a couple takes and the director's like, no more. And she's like, I don't, I don't know how to give you more. Like I'm already screaming at the top of my lungs. Right. Or if, if this character is supposed to be portrayed as someone who's just way over the top, just way, way over the top. And I feel like we've seen this with Reva for the entire series. That's just so over the top. I want Obi-Wan and I need revenge. I want to be the grand inquisitor. So it, it is, it's nice to see that at least the interaction between Reva and Obi-Wan is a really good one compared to what we had maybe 15 seconds earlier, 20, 30 seconds earlier when she's trying to batter down the door. Yeah, saying, I mean, I feel like this is probably some of the best work Moses Ingram has done in the series, this conversation she has with Obi-Wan here, where basically she goes into what happened at Order 66, where, like, we confirm she is one of the younglings we saw in the premiere, and Anakin does find her, and then he kills some of the younglings, and she had to pretend to be dead to escape, and... What do you think about this whole revelation here? That that basically they come to the conclusion that Reva just did this whole thing because she is trying to get revenge on Anakin for slowing everybody she knows. Right. Well, first things first. Outrageous entrance for Reva entering this battlefield just to yell fire. Like she plopped down, the stormtroopers parted. There was an over the headshot with her cape flowing in the background just for her to yell fire. Insane. But back to this conversation. Love this twist, actually. Genuinely didn't really see it coming. I was like, oh. Backstory to Riva that I actually find interesting. I kind of get now a little bit where she's coming from. I, I like this conversation a lot, but her story was so dark, right? She's she's like hiding amongst the dead bodies. She felt the bodies go cold. I mentioned at the start of this episode that Obi-Wan Kenobi, this show, is good when it embraces one aspect of it. And guess what? It's good when it embraces the adult and dark aspects. All the best scenes have come when Darth Vader is kicking ass and torturing people. All the best talks have come when they're talking about the tragedy that happened and the killing and the taking over of society and not the childish Leia playing with electricity and her droid part. This is where the show struggles because when it focuses on the darkness of what the Empire is, it's good. But when it focuses on trying to make it a family adventure, it's bad. It emphasized that thought I had to an upteenth degree with this conversation and but it also made me like Riva a smidge bit more because this was a good twist and I liked it. Yeah, P. I did like they kind of had her being a gray area character. So we were talking about earlier with Tala buying it a little bit. She really is the gray area character where like she her goal is like she wants Anakin taken down. And she said, as she says, she has no love lost for Obi Wan either. He's like, why weren't you there to help us out? Like he was your Padawan. So like I love that like she's basically like I don't care. I'll use Obi Wan to get to An- get to Anakin and get what I want. And like she's. And believe five, he dies of collateral damage and her, to, for her to get her revenge. Yeah, I'm just happy I was partially right in my prediction at the beginning of the show, um, 
where Reva, I said Reva was going to help Obi-Wan take down Vader, or at least try, but it doesn't seem like she's, like you said, partial to Obi-Wan helping Obi-Wan in his cause. It's more, she has a cause. And if he helps or he's collateral damage, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it like John, like, like Sango was saying, it's, it's very easy to hate this character, but it, it, it made it a little, little bit more better, right? We got a backstory to Reva. We got something that we can understand maybe where all this hatred's coming from. And maybe that's why she worked so well as an inquisitor because she's running off of hate, right? That's the whole dark sides MO. Um, I just, I just wish we got a little earlier episode five seems a little late because now we only maybe get 45 minutes of that backstory. Not even because it's not all going to be about Reva. At least I'm hoping it's not all about Reva. The last episode of the season. Um, I hope, I wish this came in maybe episode like late episode three as like the ending of episode three that we can get four five and six to like really drive that point home. So is much appreciated that we get that backstory just a tad late for my liking. Yeah, I agree with that. And Nick also texted me a debate question. I want me to ask to everybody on the panel here. So let's go with you first. The Stanko in the flashback here. We basically see a little bit of the situation where Anakin is coming up with the clone troopers and he is like basically slashing everybody here do you think he actually stabbed reva in the sequence or is it just ptsd and she's just just like imagining it uh i would say it's ptsd because i don't know how she would survive if she was stabbed as a kid i know they say they literally picked her up off the streets um so maybe it was only a flesh wound to quote monty python on the holy grail but I would have to think that it's literally just PTSD. She hid underneath the cold body. She did everything she could to survive. She was scared, which is totally understandable as a youngling in that situation. But I think it's just PTSD, and she has more emotional scars than physical ones. Uh, Pete, what do you think? I I, I like the, the, the argument that Stanko's making because it makes total sense. But I kind of think the Grand Inquisitor gives it away a little bit. And says like it's it's a it's a amazing how you can survive when revenge is on your mind kind of a thing. It was something along those lines, um, and I and that could go both ways where she actually gets stabbed or she doesn't. Right? She survived Order sixty six. I think she actually did suffer some sort of wound, whether it you know Monty Python was just a flesh wound or or actually was a stab, and she survived off of the hate and the revenge that she wanted to get on the Empire. I, I feel like the Grand Inquisitor wouldn't have said that because unless it was true that she got stabbed because it kind of like ties into what happened to the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. Well, I think she just wanted revenge for what Anakin did to her friends. I think that's what the Grand Inquisitor was referring to. And if she was stabbed physically by Anakin, which would be a fine thing, why not have her have a scar, like a scar on her face or have a scene where she's pulling on her robe and you see a scar on her arm or something to show that there was not only emotional, but also physical damage as well. Again, something that easily could have been in not a verbal communication to the audience, but a, but, uh, but like just a visual one so they could see, so they could see that she was actually harmed by order 66. Yeah. And speaking of the order 66, something I didn't mention earlier, I, I forgot to, obviously we had the disclaimer at the top of the episode saying that you might see some disturbing images here. Like, they went way down the dark out of killing the younglings compared to what episode three. Episode three, they just cut away, showing the light in the lightsaber. You actually see uh, Hayden Christian literally using the lightsaber and he's just slicing, mowing these kids down. So, like, that's pretty damn dark for this show. And it was a good part of the episode. It was good because it was dark. Yeah. I wish I had the Emperor Palpatine going good on the soundboard. I would have played that right there. That's a good, it's a good call. Yeah, I wish I did have that. But anyway, we do see this going here. And this is another point of the stupid writing. Stank a lot of point here. At this point, Rio decides, you know what? I'm just going to cut through the door. 
Like, why didn't we do this earlier when instead of wasting all the all the ammo for 15 minutes firing at the door? I mean, I have in my notes, I mean, WTF. Yeah. That's what I have here. I was like, are you serious? Like, we really just had the, the dramatic effect of you yelling fire in, in terrible acting voice, like Pete said. And then you just cut through the entire door. Really, again, after a good conversation where you actually got to like Reeve a little bit, you're back to rolling your eyes with this shortcut uh, by the screenwriters. Yeah, Pete, I mean, this is something we like, Qui-Gon did in episode one. We're trying to cut through the door of the droid ship. So, I mean, this is not something that's unprecedented. No, it's it's not something new. But I have to say, the MO of the Empire has always been, I'm the powerful one, but you're going to go do my dirty work. That's just kind of how it's always been. We see it in episode three with Darth Vader where he stops the fire. He's like, Stormtroopers, go get Obi-Wan. Um, episode three of this series, not episode three of the, um, the, the movies. Um, and I just, I feel like they were just, probably playing on that where Reva probably definitely could have just went up and did herself and cut through the door. No problem. But I think because she's grand inquisitor, I'm going to tell the stormtroopers to get me in. And if they don't, I'm going to, I'm going to blame them for the, the failure of this mission. Not me. Um, I'm taking it that way. Again, it's a WTF WTF moment. It's like, if you could have done that from the get go, just do it. Like what, what do we stand around here wasting our time in this fanfare of like, popping some stormtroopers cannon shells into the door. It, it makes for good TV or movies, you know, granted, but I, 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 I'm inclined to think and hope to think they're just going by the whole, this is the empire. We get the stormtroopers to do our dirty work. And when they fail, we do it ourselves. I hope you're right there. I mean, they do get at those standards. Yeah, very fun. The fight in the base is a lot of fun where you see all the citizens and the stormtroopers trying to fight back against each other. We see the loader droid basically gets destroyed. He's trying to hold off the stormtroopers. He basically shuts down right in front of Tal, and Tal has been shot and wounded. She knows he's not making it out of there. She basically says, you know what? Like, get everybody inside. I'm going to hold them off. And she uses a thermal detonator, blows up the hallway, and kills what the stormtrooper takes herself out with it. So, heroic again for this character, Stanko. Yeah, that's, this is the foreshadowing I said when Tala gave that big speech as to why she came when she became. You got her to feel for the character. You felt an emotional connection. Then, bam, here are the stakes. The characters that you like die. So was not surprised to see her pass away in this way. She sacrificed herself. Uh, you also have a droid that you could be sympathetic for because a droid saves a human. Star Wars movies love to do that. Um, so again, I thought this action was fine. I didn't think it was that great. I really think the Stormtroopers aim has dissipated from the prequel trilogy because, man, they were missing a lot of easy targets. But it is what it is. It's Star Wars. The bad guys aren't going to hit every shot. So I thought this action was fine. I thought the death of Talia was good and it served its purpose uh, for the story and kind of raising the stakes that the good guys can can die in a story like this. Yeah, at this point, I mean, we see them regroup a little bit because they get behind a barricaded door and Vader shows up and he basically tells Reva, stand down. I got this. So at this point, Vader has arrived, Pete. Yeah, and... Uh... Again, we see that impatience of Anakin Skywalker come through as Darth Vader. Um, I, I have to be honest. I, I kind of saw that coming. I don't think if Vader had the opportunity to bring Obi-Wan, he was going to let Reva do it. So um, cool scene, kind of par for the course, if you will. Like I kind of knew that was going to happen, but it was it was done fairly well. I mean, as well as it could be of a couple of lines. Yeah, it reminded me him or him walking Vader walking through the blown up hallways uh, of this planet where the rebels are trying to run away. Reminded me of Vader walking through Hoth and Empire Strikes Back after they take the base, his cape flowing in the wind, going down the tunnels. That's a, it reminded me of just a completely different environment, obviously, but that same kind of aesthetic and feel. 
it's another episode five connection because I don't think I don't know if you've noticed they've been doing little homages to every Star Wars movie by an episode number as they go. Yes, and th- I think this one was a direct homage to that a bit. Yeah, it was here, and then we get to see the situation going on inside, and they still don't have the door open yet because the electrician is still working hard on there trying to figure out what's going on here. And Obi Wan basically says, "You want like Haja take my stuff." So he gives him the gun, the lightsaber, and the communicator. Remember that for later. And he basically says, "You want know watch her." I'm going to go buy us in time. I'm going to go surrender and talk to Reva. So what do you think about this plan, Pete? Um, at first I was like, we're doing this right now. Like the whole, the whole point was you to, to actually like fight against this. And you're just going to hope that everything works out being captured. But I, after hearing the conversation, seeing what happens, I, I liked it very much. Uh, I liked the plan, but it was only after I saw what the, end game was versus when he first said it. Yeah. And basically the end game Stanko is he basically goes out, he talks to Reva and says like, Hey, like, you know, like let's work together and kill the, and kill Vader. She's like, you would do that. And like, basically she says like, I don't have to, I know you will. She's like, why? Like, how would he let me do that? It's like, cause he's going to be focused on me and he's going to lose all the perspective what's going on around him. If he's worried, if he knows I'm here. So solid sales pitch, Stanko. I would agree. Uh, this, they got tunnel vision, if you will. Darth Vader has tunnel vision on Obi-Wan Kenobi. One can say that Reva has tunnel vision only on Darth Vader, and that bites her in the butt as well. So a little bit of quick foreshadowing to what the finale is going to be. Again, I actually kind of like this plan. Obi-Wan Kenobi using his words. He was good with the words in the prequel trilogy. He was witty. He got out of a lot of issues with that. And he kind of uses that again here. He plays to what the enemy is giving him, and they're giving him hubris. And he uses that as a weapon himself. Yeah, Pete, he's a negotiator in the Clone Wars. That's his nickname. So it does work out well that they call back to that. No, I think this is a great callback, and I and I, like I said, when the plan first is set, I'm like, don't don't do it. Like this is, we're gonna get one of those things where he's in a torture chamber and he's all set up the machine, and he, she's gonna be yelling, talk, and he's gonna be like, I'm never gonna talk. It's gonna be a whole Leia scene again. And I was just like, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to do this again. But when I saw he started to negotiate and started talking, I was like, okay, this is this is this is good. I appreciate this. Yeah, I also one thing I did not appreciate was like when Vader lands, like. We they didn't show us how Obi Wan managed to escape. And so who always sees is him with a blaster, them dying, and then him running back into the main base. I'm like, like you couldn't have shown us that. Like you gave us all this other action that was not great, and you couldn't have given us that moment of him like outwitting two stormtroopers and just killing them. I think this is a comedic moment miss because we can always have this. We have the comedic moments where the stormtroopers will talk and be stupid, and then you could have had Obi Wan walking down the hall. The stormtroopers going, "We got you, Obi Wan. You're doomed," and being trying to be witty and then have them die. It was a missed opportunity at a possible comedic moment or something like that could have been memeable or something like that. I just a missed 30 second scene for sure. Yeah, we missed that, but we do get this, Mr. Stanko. This is where we get the end electrician Leia arc here, where she manages to, I think Lola tries basically like attack her. She grabs Lola, figures out Lola is bugged, pulls a little plug off, and then all of a sudden, boop, the door, fix the door, managed to connect the right wire here. I did not realize, Stanko, that we're getting uh, the episode here of Leia being Bob the Builder. Right. It's absolutely insane. She, I mean, naturally Lola's light is red now because she's being controlled. So uh, Leia knows that something's wrong and she could find the tracker, which was so obviously hidden on one of the wings of Lola. Again, this is just really bad writing. It got Leia back into the story. It it saved the day because they were able to escape the base in the ship. But again, this whole entire sequence with Leia being Bob the Builder, like you said, or the, the electrician is just, it's really bad. It's the worst part of the episode by far. It is a very bad part. And we see them running here. Haja drops the communicator on his way out. And I do think this is a very badass Vader moment here, Pete, when we see that 
He comes in right as the ship is leaving, and he we see Ray try this and not and fail. He pulls the ship to the ground, literally with the force. It does not work because there was a second ship and they got away on it, but it was a pretty cool moment to see him use the force that much. I'm just so happy that this show so far is utilizing the prime time of vader right like this is this is when vader is at his strongest same thing with rogue one but we only get about what 30 seconds in rogue one of vader but every time we've seen vader um in the suit he has been either you know blocked by hollywood of the late 70s early 80s of just like there's not a lot of moves he's gonna do like we haven't seen vader in his in his suit full potential um, and just th- with ease, with absolute ease, he just grabs that ship, brings it down, just rips the entire side of the ship off. Was fantastic. Was amazing to see. I'm happy they showed it. I wish the CGI was a tad better, but I also know it's a show, not a movie, and the budget probably wasn't there. Um, but that being said, such an epic scene just from to get bamboozled. Yeah, it was a, it was a good, a great scene, Stag. I would see the full potential of like, Tunnel Vision Vader just focused on that ship and not even thinking like, oh, is Obi-Wan actually on this ship is running away? This was the oh shit moment for me in the episode. It might be the oh shit moment for me in the show, if I'm being honest with you. This was, I was like, oh, damn, this is cool. This is the Vader we like and love. This is the Vader that's an absolute badass. Like Pete said, this is Vader in his prime. You'd intentionally walk him if you were a baseball player. The Rebel doesn't have, the Rebels don't have that option. They got to deal with it. They're lucky they're on the other ship. Smart planning on their part there. Awesome scene. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let me put this this way in the baseball terms. Is Vader Juan Soto where he just has a bunch of like shitty underlings around him and he can't do anything with it? I mean, that might be that might be a very fair point. He might be better than Juan Soto, to be honest with you. He might be prime Barry Bonds on steroids. Yeah. Yeah, and anyway, we get this follow-up scene. I think it's a lot of fun where he's watching the ship fly away. Reva tries to sneak up behind him and just, just take him out. And Vader's aware of this. And then he spends a solid, I think, two, three minutes just not even attempting to utilize it, just fighting her off with just the force, basically pushing her off, throwing her around, tries to get the spinning lights, he stops it spinning, rips it in half, and it was so, so much fun to seeing it again, just toying with her. Oh, he's playing with his food. This is awesome. This is this is Vader just being maniacal and just enjoying torturing his opponents. This is wonderful. This is the dark stuff that we that I love What when the show embraces it, that it's great at. It showed us the bass that Vader is. It showed us that Reva, again, has the same problems as Vader. Over-anxious, over-eager, over-aggressive, uh, if you will. And Vader is just absolutely toying with it. It's beautiful to watch. Mwah. Yeah, Pete, this was this was so much fun watching Vader in his in his element. Yeah, no, this, this just added to the scene of him pulling down the ship. It was, uh, once they flew away, I was like, that's all we're getting of Vader in this episode. And then once Reva started sneaking up, I was like, oh. Shit's about to go down. Like this is this is not going to end well for her at all. Like I don't think anyone watching this scene was like, "Oh, Reva's got this." I don't think anyone in their right mind was saying that. We knew that Vader was going to completely own her, and he does. Yeah, he does. And she gets stabbed, and then we see Vader basically says, "Oh, like you were part of my plan. I was going to I want I was going to use you to find Obi Wan." And then lo and behold, Stanko, the Grand Inquisitor is back. He is not dead. No, the Grand Inquisitor is back. He's not dead. Uh, he got to say a really cool line, like Pete said earlier, revenge, it uh, feeds the will to live, something of that variety, paraphrasing it. Very cool. Though I, I I, have a suggestion for the writers here. If you will allow me to step in my soapbox, Pete and Mike, I have a way that this scene could have been written a little bit better and made it even more badass. Sure. If you allow me to step in my soapbox. So obviously Vader has Reva down on the ground, right? She's on her knees. She knows she's beaten. Vader has the lightsaber. 
And in the show, Vader stabs her in the front, right? What should have happened is we should have seen a shot of Reva stabbed through the back, but we don't know by who. But then you just see the Grand Inquisitor crawl upon her shoulder and then come toward the front with the lightsaber still in Reva and then say the badass line, revenge is the best way to, to feed your will to live because, you know, a Grand Inquisitor wants revenge on Reva for stabbing him. It also feeds the idea that Reva uh, wanted revenge on Darth Vader, but guess what? She didn't survive. And then that way you have the Grand Inquisitor coming back. His reveal is even better. It's more badass because he killed Reva. He got his revenge. He's working with Vader. And then what I would do is I would have had uh, the Grand Inquisitor use the force to pull the, to pull the lightsaber out, just bisect Reva because she deserves to be dead, and then have the Grand Inquisitor walk off with Vader. And then that way you have the idea that, guess what? Reva wasn't watching her back either because she was solely focused on Darth Vader. She had the tunnel vision that Obi-Wan said that Darth Vader would have on him. Would have all wrapped in a nice, neat bow in terms of the themes that were talked about in the episode. But they didn't do that. That's what I would have done. But regardless, still a very cool scene, but that would have been my suggestion to the writers of Star Wars uh, in this episode. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't listen to Stanko there. They chose to do it that way. And we talked about this last week that they basically told you Grand Quizzer is not dead and he is back. And then they sort of played the Darth Maul card from Clone Wars about how he survives. Is it, oh, like desire for revenge or powers any real, like, there's any, any chance of actually dying here. So basically, they show you basically you're on the dark side and like you have this injury that can be fatal, your hatred can keep you alive. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not terribly upset that we don't see exactly how the Grand Inquisitor stays alive. Um, Mike, you had mentioned this prior before the show. It would have been cool if Darth Vader with the two lightsabers had her in like the Count Dooku pose. Right. Two, yeah. And then, like John said, uh, have a random red lightsaber come through the back while he's holding it. It's like, wait, 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 who the hell is that? Um, so, I mean, Stanko, you're 100% right. That would have been so much cooler. But obviously, we don't write for Disney. Maybe we should apply. Um, we we uh, we get a cool scene. We get a cool line. Obviously, Stanko's idea is a lot better than what we saw. But all in all, it could have been a lot worse, right? It could have been a, a one-off scene where, like, Vader lets her live and walks away or some crap. Like, I mean, we could there could have been a lot of wrong in that scene. So I'm happy it happened. I'm happy that we still get that badass Vader pretty much to the very end. Um, but that next scene that's coming up is is where things get a little tricky. Yeah, they will say that for sure. Reva gets left for dead. Yeah, they stake, they steal the Grand Inquisitor bed, Stanko, when GI takes it back. So I thought that was the most ridiculous thing. Is actually a physical badge. He just takes off his basically Velcro's his own uniform. Right. I mean, that's just that's just embarrassing her even more. I guess I guess just rubbing some dirt in the wound and making her feel even worse. Just some emotional damage. Emotional damage. That's what she's feeling at this moment in time. Yeah. I will, before we get to the final scene there, where she, after she gets left for dead, we get a one brief check-in on the cruiser with the skate there, and Roken basically tells Obi-Wan, hey, our hyperdrive is damaged. Like, so we're, so, and they're right behind us. So basically telling you that there's, there's going to be some sort of firefight next episode between uh, uh, Imperial ships. Right, and I don't know how that's going to, I don't know how that's going to play out, to be honest with you. Again, I mentioned earlier, the plan is you're going to go up on a spaceship into space where the Imperial Star Destroyer is there waiting for you, and you know what's there, and you still have this plan, and now you don't have hyperspace. Who is going to come to save the day? This is where I leave it up to you, the experts, because you guys probably have a better feel than I do, but someone's going to have to come and save these guys' hides. I don't know who it's going to be, but that's obviously leading toward it. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on here, and then we get the final scene of the episode here, Pete, where... Obi-Wan basically sort of figures out, wait a minute, 
Hazo's at the communicator, and he's like, you see this panic on his face, and Roken asks him, like, what's wrong? He's like, nothing. And then you basically go back to the planet. You see Reva crawling through the dirt. She grabs the thing, and it's sort of playing the shot of the Veil Organic communication, like, a little shot of you guys there. And then we get this really, really ominous, like, flash of Tatooine. You see Luke sleeping in his bed. The episode. That does a very cool way to end, a, end the episode. Yeah, it, it's cool. Uh, again, giving exact coordinates, time of day, what the kid had for breakfast over the... <laughs> Uh, transmission there not the smartest play but it it definitely leaves a lot to to happen and i that scares me you you've pretty much opened a whole new plot point that now luke's in danger right in some sort of capacity the whole the whole show has been wrapped around leia's in danger and darth vader is after obi-wan and so are the inquisitors but now you're opening up let's call it a third story arc with one episode left what happens if this episode is only 45 minutes long are we going to rush through it? What's going to happen? So that worries me a bit. I'm hoping, and I don't think it's going to happen. I'm hoping the last episode is like an hour, an hour and 15. Really like send this thing home. Like do it, give it the proper finale. However, I, I don't know if that's happening, especially with these Disney plus series. A lot of the, the episodes, you know, granted we've had 58 minute episodes, but that also comes with seven and a half minutes of credits. Um, it, I don't, I don't know if we're going to have enough time for Luke to be in danger, too. Yeah, I mean, Stank, the last two episodes, I mean, we got 32 minutes pre-crisis last week, 35 minutes pre-crisis this week. I mean, there are rumors online, Nick, Nick Texas, I heard, I heard might be 60, 70 minutes, but, like, that might be, you know, 54 before credits, and then you have 62 on the official Disney Plus runtime, and then that's not giving you a lot of time to play with here, and this whole new story element. No, Pete's still my point exactly. It's a great point. How are they going to wrap this up? You're adding in this element of danger that wasn't really there before, and you have one episode left. I, I don't know how you're going to clean this all up in a nice, neat bow. You've it, you've tangled too many threads. How are you going to pull it all taut? I'm really worried about this come the final episode. It's an it's an extra hurdle that the writers have to get have to get over. And guess what? The writing hasn't been that good in this episode anyway. I'm scared that they're going to really mess with the pacing that suddenly a character that we know is going to be on Tatooine. We're not going to know how they got there. We're not going to know how long it took them. And it's going to be like, well, how the hell did this happen? I'm really worried that there's going to be something like that. Yeah. And the other thing that worries about this too, P is that this is potentially very canon breaking. And the fact that nobody apart from Obi-Wan and Bale is supposed to know that Luke is on Tatooine and that he's Vader's son. So, I mean, if we are having this information now, Reva has it and, if she somehow escapes the finale alive and she knows about this, that's a problem to me. So Reva has to die. That 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 is the only thing that can happen next episode. If Reva stays alive. Now, granted, I don't know. I don't know if I can correct me if I'm wrong. If the if the transmission said Vader has a son on Tatooine. At least or Skywalker side, I think he said. Sure. So he says Skywalker. So obviously that that makes some inferences. If Reva stays alive after this episode, we're gonna need a season two of Obi Wan to not break canon, so we can we can kill off Reva. There has to be something that kills Reva before we get to anything in Episode Four, even close to people finding out that there's another Skywalker around. Now, granted, Luke Skywalker does walk around Tatooine and say his name's Luke Skywalker. No, my my. That's correct. So it's not like people don't know who he is, but Reva's the only one, including Obi-Wan. And I think that's it. That knows Vader's Skywalker. 
So Reva needs to die in this next episode. If she does not die, Disney is going to blow up a lot of the franchise by letting her live or someone finding out that Vader has kids sort of right. Any sort of kids out there. So hopefully they kill the character off because the character is not in anything other than this show. And I hope they have it to be an actual death and not like, well, it could be the mall death. It could be this death. It could be Mace Windu. He's not really dead. We didn't see him die and all that stuff. Probably that. We need to have a definitive death of Reva to save Canon. 100%. Yeah, that, that does terrify me. And I think we'll put that, uh, I'll put that pin in that for a minute because I got to start going through some of the stuff we do at the end of the episode here. Uh, Stanko, are you aware of the character draft we do on the podcast every year? No, educate me on this. All right, I will educate you on this. I'm going to pull the graphic up here right now. Prior to the season, our preseason podcast here, what's going on is that Pete, uh, Nick, and myself basically do a bunch of characters draft. We draft characters every season to see who's going to show up in the show. Basically, we're going to go ahead here and argue, okay, if, aside from the ones we know already, what characters are popping up here? And right now, the graphic's not working on my computer here. I'll add in post-production here that Pete is leading the draft here. He has five points because he drafted Leia Organa in the draft, so he got five out of her. Nick has three because he has... Both Bail Organa and Qui-Gon, we counted for his like dream appearance in episode one. And I'm on the bottom with one because I have just R2-D2 showing up at a, holding drinks at a party. <laughs> well, there's still time to catch up. We got one episode left. There's going to be a big reveal. It's going to happen. They're going to end this with a big punch. We just don't know who that knockout's going to be. Yeah, well, I'm completely out. I basically took a bunch of Clone Wars. I took Ahsoka, Cad Bane, and Rex. So I'm not going to see any of them next week. I'm calling that for, for, for sure. All right. If you want to count your chickens before they hatch, I guess. I need my entire team to show up and have Leia not be in the episode and have a chance to win. <laughs> well, Leia's going to be in the episode, unfortunately. So, so as I said, I'm Matt Mac eliminated. All right. Well, Pete is in the Pete is in the driver's seat. Yeah, Pete's got another Leia here. Pete also has Cal Kestis from the video game. He has Harrison Dula, and he has uh, Boba Fett himself. So I think he's just getting that. Nick has Qui-Gon. He has Bale again, which he figures he'll show up when he receives his daughter. He has Emperor Palpatine and Bo-Katan. So there's a ch- there's a chance of a 6-6 tie here if Nick gets three of his four show up. There is. I, I There's one original trilogy character and well, and also a prequel trilogy character that no one's mentioned yet. Is is Yoda a possibility to show up here and save the day? Have we seen, Do we know what he's up to after Revenge of the Sith? This is where I need you Star Wars experts to, to teach me. I think he's just still hiding a take about this point. Uh, right. Where he was chilling. Now, I, you know, if Stanko's theory is right that someone needs to help them in space, the the ghost crew could show up. I may get a point for Harrison Nula. I don't know. Well, I mean, she's. I don't. I think this is five years for their thing. Unfortunately, I don't care. She's going to show up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's possible as well. I, I, I'm going to throw the Quinlan Voss possibly being the guy to say that they did name drop him earlier. Yeah, that that one is surprising that he hasn't shown up yet. Because, again, the name drop. All right. Let's now go ahead here. We're going to do some trackers here. We keep track of things every week, Stanko, just to, just for laughs and giggles here. So some of the mm-hmm. stuff we're going on here. Uh, the We tracked Never Pierce's Hondo Onaka has made across all the various Star Wars properties. He's at 18. He's not appearing in live action yet. That counts his Clone Wars, Rebels, and his uh, in-canon appearance at Galaxy's Edge. So 18 Hondo, Stanko. That is quite a few Hondos. That is way more than I expected. Yeah, he's a big character, especially in the end of, like, towards the Clone Wars back half of Rebels. That, that is very true. That is very true. 
All right. And next up here on the trackers here, we're going with the animated characters. Pete still just one, still just the uh, corpse of Terra Sanub in the vault last week. No other animated cameos yet. Yeah, I don't I don't see us getting a lot. I mean, we're at the last episode, so I don't think it's going to happen. But anime, anime cameos probably aren't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Live action cameos. We're up to 10. We've gotten five out of Leia, two out of Bale, and then one each from Qui-Gon the droid. So 10 Stanko from the movies, which makes more sense for, for this kind of show. That makes more sense for this kind of show. I think you're going to get that up to 11 or 12. Somebody's going to show up in this finale. Again, I don't know who. Don't know how they're going to write it in. But they they got like Pete said they got to kill Reva otherwise Star Wars fans are going to absolutely revolt so who's going to get the who's going to get the pleasure of killing her in the end yeah that's we'll see about that one I put my money on Obi Wan there but next up here the Inquisitor tracker where we basically track the number of different Inquisitors show up because Nick pointed out and all the prizes like nine million of these guys we are still at just four over the course of the show and yeah, four yeah we're just at four and Stank I made this point a couple of podcasts I know you would appreciate this Fortress Inquisitorious in the show. Is like the X Mansion in Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just flash, and then that's it. Yeah, absolutely. There's only two who are there at any, at any time. It's the same two. There's no other like wizards just hanging out. Right. I mean, it's just it's a tight knit group. It's like the three musketeers with a plus one, and you know what? They just they die from time to time. So also, we got to think that those other inquisitors pop up somewhere in this finale too. We haven't really seen them fight, right? We haven't. They, we've only seen them verbally fight with each other. Yeah. We haven't seen them draw lightsabers. So. That may be something that's also coming in this finale to keep an eye out for. Yeah, Pete was dumping on the fifth brother last year, basically standing around letting them escape, which I think was a fair point. I mean, the Imperial security is the worst thing <laughs> in the galaxy, right? Yes. I mean, Pete, the, this is a one-star service. If this is a security firm and you hire them, you you want your money back. Really a negative star service. I mean, <laughs> wearing, I, I said this last week. If you're wearing armor and you let someone boop you in the helmet and that disarms you and dismantles you for a good 30 seconds, I you need a desk job. Like there's no, there's, you, you shouldn't be working security. I'm sorry. You're supposed to be, it's not even security. It's like, literally like you're part of the army. Like you, you get booped in the head and it's like, oh, I'm out. I'm out of commission. She got me. I, I, I'm sorry. You, you don't belong there. Yeah. Next up here, the Jedi tracker next suggested Also, we keep track of how many Jedi show up in the show. Apart from Obi-Wan, we got just the one, our friend who got killed in episode one, Stanko. I guess so, but do you, I guess you don't consider force sensitive people Jedi. I guess that's the clarification here uh, because Leia technically showed ability with the force when she wasn't infiltrated in the brain by Reva during the interrogation. Yeah, she's so not a, I guess, gotcha. Not a trained Jedi. Not a trained Jedi. Fair enough. Fair point. Yeah, we also didn't count all the corpses in the vault either. That was a little bit, a little morbid. <laughs> I, okay, so a live trained Jedi is the, is the clarification. Yes, we had that clarification last week because I kind of also could not even get a count how many Jedi were in that vault. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a lot. All right. Next up here, classic lines. Pete, we added one here this week because Talek shouts out, may the force be with you before she dies. So we have that one. We have the Wilhelm scream from the Stormtrooper in episode three. And we had the traitor line that was basically stolen from Kylo Ren by Reva here in episode four. Yeah, they talked before. And I think Kylo Ren knew what to say because Reva used it. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, the, the lines, I, I feel like we get a lot of good, even just original lines from the show. Even though the writing is not the best, I feel like there are some really good lines that come through. Like, the, you, you made me later. I thought that was pretty powerful. We talk, spoke about that back in episode three of the show. So, Yeah, and Stanka, we created this one because we were expecting, I want to say hello there at some point. Do you think we get that in the finale? A hundred and ten percent. Throw your bank account on it. Throw your savings account. Throw your future child savings account on it. They are not going to end this series without Obi-Wan saying that. Are you kidding me? There's no way. 
I feel like he's not saying hello there to Luke. I, he's going to say hello there to somebody. Or, like, maybe he's going to finally talk to Qui-Gon Jinn, and Qui-Gon Jinn's going to appear as a ghost, and he's going to be like, well, hello there, and he's finally going to talk to him or something. I don't know. But he's 100% going to say it in some way, shape, or form. All right. Last tracker here, Stan. We also track how many different planets we've been to on this show. That's the book of both where we complain how we were stuck on Tatooine for the entire show. We have hit seven so far. Oh, that's more than I thought. Yeah, to recap, Tatooine, Alderaan, Deyu, Mustafar, Mapuzo, the Inquisitor base, and Jabim. I forgot about the Inquisitor base. Okay, I was I was thinking five off the top, but seven makes sense. So there you go, Pete. A little bit more world traveling than your favorite show ever, Boba Fett. Top, top 10 show of all time, Book of Boba Fett. All right, next up here, we're going to do our MVPs and LVPs, where we got the points of the best and worst characters of the episode, the current standings. I'm, I'm going to put up the board in post-production here. Obi-Wan Kenobi on top of the board at plus three. Tie for second between Darth Vader and Tala at plus two. Owen Lars, Bail Organa, Haja, and Leia are all in the positives at plus one. The negatives, Nick gave Roken an LVP point last week, so he's at negative one. The fifth brother from me, negative one. Leia's cousin from the premiere, negative one. Uh, Imperial Security from me and Pete last week, negative two. Reva, negative three, and... Flea's gang from the first two episodes gets a negative three. They are at the bottom of the board right now, Stanko. Uh, I, I mean, I like all those picks. I'm surprised Leia's in the positive, to be honest with you. That'd be my only major gripe. Yeah, well, Faz gave her an MVP point last week. Get her on the board. Oh, Faz. Yeah. Come on, Faz. You're better than that. Oh, one more thing before we get to this. Like, how is shocking you to see Flea pop up in the premiere? I mean, it's, I mean, it gets, it, it draws the eye. It gets the people's attention. It's. I mean, they, listen, the pilot episode for what, for what it was as a scene setter did a pretty good job, and I consider it one of the better episodes of this season. So another just token in his hat there. Yeah, Flea took me out of it, though, because, like, Flea's character is very incompetent. I mean, to be fair, the whole uh, empire is incredibly incompetent in this show, so it's not too far off base. Absolutely. So let's go to the MVPs here for the week. I'll mention Nick shout out, set this stuff in already. He's giving Obi-Wan an MVP point this week. So, Stanko, as our guest, you can go first here. Who's your MVP of the episode? I, despite his incredibly stupid decision at the start of the episode, the MVP is Darth Vader. He pulled down that ship like an absolute badass. He toyed with his food with Reva. He brought the Grand Inquisitor back to you in fantastic style. It's got to be Darth Vader. He's been, he, every single scene he's been in, like Pete said, where he's in the armor has been a highlight of the show. And it continues here with part five. All right, Pete, who's your MVP for the week? Yeah, it's going to Darth Vader again. Uh, it's uh, incredible performance. Um, I don't there's no other character in my opinion in the show um that is cooler right now than Darth Vader. Yeah. I'm gonna give an MVP in memoriam to Tala because she does a heroic thing where she sacrifices herself to give all these people more time to escape. She re- chose remorse for her acts in the past and she made a positive life change. I'm giving Tala an MVP point just to acknowledge the fact she's a very good character in this show. She is a positive one. Again, she's she's one of the best. So, and she's going off on a high note. She dies, she wins MVP, Mike. Thank you for giving her that honor. Yeah, two of her three points came from me. A couple of weeks ago, I gave her the first MVP point after episode three. Pete was not happy about it at that point. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll go now the other way, the fun here. The LVP. Nick has given his to Disney because he claims they let the show be spoiled and they have made some very poor choices overall. So Nick is giving the LVP point to Disney as an entity. So, Pete, who's your LVP of the week? Bail Organa. What the hell are you doing, given all this information? I, I know I shouldn't have called you, but I'm going to call you and tell you everything I know about the situation. I, horrible. 
Bail Organ is going to the LVP. Uh, Stanko, LVP. I'm going with the writers of this show because they have no idea what they want it to be. It's incredibly inconsistent. Some scenes are very good. Some teams are downright terrible. Uh, so I'm going with the writers. The Whoever wrote the screenplay for these episodes, they need to figure out what show they wanted to make, and it could have been a thousand times better. And same thing continues here in episode. And uh, sorry, part five. Yeah. It's tough for me because I want to ding Bale. I do think the writers are a big responsibility. Why Bale is that terrible here. Reeve, I think, also has a bunch of LVP moments, so I could give her a point in this situation here. But I think I have to go with Bale. I think Bale is just, you know, he gives up the entire bag without even thinking, you know what, is he dead? Does somebody have the communicator who's not Obi-Wan? Like, I could just ruin the, our entire chance of having a future here by doing this. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've given the LVP point to the writers before in different shows, but the more I think about it, if we're giving MVP points to characters, the writers wrote those characters too. So it's just kind of, it's hard. And I, and Stanko, I completely understand where you're coming from, right? I mean, this, the, most of the show, we don't know what the identity is, right? What, what are we doing a show on? Reva, Darth Vader, or Obi-Wan, or Leia? I mean, there's been so many different characters that you want to focus on, obviously. And I'm sure it's a lot easier said than done to just be like, hey, pick a, pick a topic. But if we're going on just like, technicalities we're giving mvp points for characters they wrote as well and we're done we're giving writers the lvp uh it makes sense but i just that was just a, a fun little thought that popped into my head yeah well i think the, the writers are the, the characters that have gotten the mvps are, are characters that we knew already right they're darth vader they're obi-wan kenobi there's not a lot of effort there's not as much effort going into writing those characters when the lore is already established with those characters and we know what they are and we know that vader doesn't need to talk to be cool. We know that he doesn't need to talk to communicate when you're creating new characters and trying to make us invested in them or giving us characters that are completely different age than when we know them, you got to make us invested. And I think they've done a poor job of doing that. Yeah. The only two new characters on the positive side on the MVP board are Tala and Haja. Fair point. No, it's definitely a fair point. I wasn't thinking of it that way. So makes sense. Yeah. And I started the trend of giving the writers MVP points during Clone Wars season three. I hate the mortars arc. I just dinged the writers basically copying Avatar the last airbender with that arc. I do remember that. That was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Last up here, we're going to go to our episode grades here. So, Stanko, give me a grade on this episode from 1 to 10. I I originally wrote down a 6, um, which for me is probably second best episode of the series thus far. I think talking with you guys, I'm in a little bit of positive light. Thank you for bringing some optimism into my life. So I'm going to raise it to a 6.5. 6.5. 6.5. Perfectly enjoyable, slightly above average. You're going to remember the highlights more than you're going to remember the lowlights. So I'm going to go with the 6.5. Pete, what's your grade? So I have to give it an eight. And the reason why it's going so high is because I think the lowest I gave Boba Fett was like a five or a four. And I feel like this is a lot better than Boba Fett, in my opinion. So if we were looking at a higher standard of star Wars shows. If we're like comparing it to like Mandalorian stuff, it would probably be down there in like the six, seven range, but recency bias is going off of what book of Boba Fett was. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode where there are gripes. Yes. Where there are parts that could have been improved. Absolutely. But I, I, I didn't come out of this episode going. I didn't like that. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Vader was a badass. getting an eight for me. I'm going to go with a nine here. I, I enjoy this episode a lot. I did think, yes, there are things that are bad. Le- the Leia mechanic storyline is bad. So there's some bad Reva stuff here. But the good is like peak, 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 like Star Wars and the Disney era here. Between the flashbacks, 
between Vader being a badass and Obi-Wan showing off his skills, Tala sacrificing herself to save the cause. I mean, there's a lot more good here than bad, in my opinion, this episode. I'm a little bit surprised it's that high, but you know what? I respect it. In terms of this, in terms of this series itself and the five episode released, it's definitely, if not the best, one of the best. So I understand how it's that high. Yeah, I was not high on last week's episode. As, as, I was not high on last week's episode at all. I don't think anyone liked last week's episode from what I've seen online. Everyone said it was a, it was the worst thus far. Yeah, I mean, Pete and I both dated Imperial Security for a reason. That's why they're in the LVPs. I was glad you actually said that term, Stanko, because it was something we already covered. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was it was absolutely abysmal. All right, final piece here, the puzzle here. Part six predictions. Nick has said, I cannot comment because I'm not more than 90% sure I know exactly what will happen. So he is taking himself off the board this week. So, Pete, what's your prediction for the finale? My prediction is we go back to Tatooine. Vader and all of the Inquisitors, or most of the Inquisitors, battle Obi-Wan, Reva, and whoever from the path. They all try to fight back. Um, and I feel like most of the people from the path die. Reva dies. Obi-Wan completely owns Vader. So that at least, and, and this is a point that my friend Stephen Nasty, shout out to him, had made. Um, another Iona alum. It would it would at least help the canon uh, line from Darth Vader in episode four saying when we last met, you were, you know, you were the master and now now I'm the master kind of thing. I can't remember the the phrase and I apologize. No disrespect to the to the to the line because it's a very famous one. Um, so I think that's what's going to happen. I think Obi-Wan's going to completely own Vader. It's going to be an epic showdown with many more Inquisitors than we're used to. Um, and there's going to be some unlikely heroes that pop up that weren't in the show as well. All right. I'm going to do mine next here. I'm going to say for this one, I think that the there's a space battle here. I think somebody comes in to basically save a day. We get the Obi-Wan-Vader duel early and Vader basically, Obi-Wan, like it comes basically a draw and Obi-Wan escapes. And that's how we end up going to, ta- he goes home with Tatooine after dropping Leia off. Reva is there because Reva is there and that, Obi-Wan has to kill Reva to protect him. That's what I think happens. I, I agree with both of you guys that Reva is going to end up on Tatooine, which is going to be, I'm going to yell at the TV if he, she just magically appears on Tatooine. So I do agree with you guys on that. Anything else you want to add to it? I think that we're going to get an homage to a new hope or something of that variety where the, the path ship is going to be sucked into the Imperial trooper. And you know how Darth Vader emerged in a new hope through that door and started just kicking butt and looking menacing, right. And taking care of names. I think we're going to have something like that with Obi-Wan. We've seen Obi-Wan battle storm troopers, right? We've seen him chop some down, but we haven't, I don't think we've seen a scene where Obi-Wan is like, Obi-Wan, where he's like, I am a Jedi and I can absolutely kick ass. I think we're going to get something like that, a grand entrance with him coming through the smoke, wheeling his lightsaber, circling it around and being an absolute badass. He's going to be on the ship. Someone's then going to attack the ship, like you said, Mike, and save the day. And it's going to allow Obi-Wan to escape. That is what I think is going to happen in the finale. So he's getting his Daredevil hallway scene. Basically, we're going to get another hallway scene because we know that the Star Wars people love making the hallway scenes. I think we're going to get another one. All right, there you have it. That is part six, part five, part six coming next week. Nick will be back next week, P2, recap the finale. I'm sure he's got a lot of energy pent up right now talking about these couple episodes for sure. Yep, he's coming back. Hopefully not sunburned to all hell. Uh, And uh, I'm sure he's very excited to hopefully be pleasantly surprised for the finale, his thoughts about the finale. He was talking about how there, there could be some implications there just from the scene. Um, hopefully we're surprised. 
Hopefully there's nothing bad, nothing cannon breaking like we were talking about in this episode. Yeah, hopefully not. And Stanko, I want to thank you for coming on here. Take the time to join us for this episode. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I mean, follow social media. Keep up what you're doing over at Stanko Stance. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or all my social media at jstanko99, or you could read what I'm writing at stankosstance.com. And thank you guys for having me. A blast to talk about Star Wars. You guys are the experts. You guys enlighten me to some stuff. So I really appreciate it. I'm just a humble, humble, normal fan, and nice to learn some things from you guys. So appreciate it. Yeah, I also point out to you, Stanko, like, Watch some Rebels because it's it's a very underrated show. I I know it, and all the trailers came out from the Star Wars convention. It's all going to be related to that. I got to get on it. I, you're right. I need to find more hours in the day. Yeah, it's a short event. There's only four seasons. I think only two of them are full length. Yeah, but that's still 20 episodes a season. Yeah, I think it's like a fifth. It's 15, 22, 22, and 13, I think. Or 15. Yeah, I mean, I got to do it. It's the only thing I haven't watched. It's the only Star Wars stuff I haven't watched that's canon. So I got to get on it. I got to find the time. So you know what? Summer project, right? Yep. Summer project. Love Pete. People I follow you on social media kind of do that. At PJ Considori 29, um, the Rangers lost. It was bound to happen. Uh, Tampa Bay just completely just rocked them in the last four games. And uh, they're playing tonight against the Avalanche. I believe the game's tied 1-1 now from the time of recording. But uh, Stanko loves it because he's a Boston fan. Uh, oh, it- I, I just – I I – I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your Rangers that you're still so butthurt over it. And they lost what, oh, oh, almost I'm not, a week. I'm not, even, I'm not even butthurt over it. I'm just upset that they didn't go all the way. But this is a year that we didn't think we were going to go all the way. So it's a nice, pleasant surprise. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it'll fun to see what happens next season. But right now, the Stanley Cup Finals on. If anyone's interested, Colorado Avalanche versus Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm sure it's going to be a hell of a matchup. I'm going to turn it on right now after we, uh, we uh, break here from the episode. Hey, Pete, if it makes you feel any better, my Boston Celtics, as of recording, are probably going to lose in game six in the NBA finals and lose out in chance for a championship. So I'll be in the same misery as you soon. Yes. Well, I, ho- I hope not. I hope your team does win because at least one of our teams is in it somewhere. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. You guys will follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. This is over the Justin the Suffering Podcast. You got ready for the U.S. Open. I have my PJ Tour guy, Dandy Martin. Come on, we talked about that. We're going to do some NBA offseason stuff on the podcast next week. I have a crossover special already lined up. That's coming up as well. And it's a lot of fun. We'll be back next week for the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Until then, may the force be with you, everybody.